We are about to hear an encouraging message from our series, Why Pray? Exploring Strength in Prayer, where Pastor Aaron will be taking a deeper look into the great strength we have being united in prayer. But before we do, if you are new to Oasis, we would love to connect with you. So wherever you are watching us from, there is a link provided that will take you to a connect form. Will you please take a moment and fill out that form for us? We would love to connect with you and your family. At Oasis, we are so thankful for the incredible gift of an online church. And we know that God is going to continue to do an amazing work through Oasis Online. And we want you to be a part of it. So will you invite your family and friends to oasisld.church and not waste this opportunity. So right now, please join Pastor Aaron as he brings his message, Why Pray? Unity. Hello, I hope that you have had an awesome, awesome week. I'm excited to continue into our series, Why Pray? Exploring Strength in Prayer. My mind goes to sports when I think of today's topic. Uh, to some of the most talented teams who never won a championship. Now, some of that is that that team came up against another great team. The, bell ju the ball just happened to bounce their way, and uh, you kind of tip your hat to that. But so many of those teams we would look at as, as uh, sports guys or gals, and we would look at them, and we would think, man, they were so good, but they were a train wreck because it was a bunch of individuals out on a field or on a court or wherever it would be. The talent was unreal, but there was no unity. There was no togetherness. It was just a bunch of individuals. You know, the same can be said about nations. If we were to look around the world from the beginning of time and look at nations, oftentimes it was infighting and it was power struggles that would cause a nation to crumble. Churches, where it uh, and never was something from the outside that had an external force that caused things to go wrong. But from the inside, there was division. There was not unity and the doors never would open. No championships would ever be won in countries losing international power and influence all because of a lack of unity. See, all throughout scripture even. We see references of being together and being united. And I believe some of that can be good and some of it can be bad. And as we go through uh, just quickly here, we see uh, some of the amazing times that the children of Israel were united in battle. We look at the story of Nehemiah and building a wall and how he came and, and brought people together and they became united to stand upon a wall and work and have a sword in one hand. And they were united and they built a wall. We look at the Tower of Babel. It was a group, a gathering of people. They all came together to build and to, to have this great city and to build this tower that would reach into the heavens. And the passages of Scripture there would speak that they were desiring to build a name for themselves. How about putting Christ on the cross? You have a gathering of people that are out and the throng of people that would say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They were united together to put Christ on the cross, though you have Pilate standing and saying, I wash my hands of this man. See, struggle and disappointment were something as well that the disciples were very keen in and they were, they were a part of often. The, the early church experienced a great amount of struggle and disappointment. 
The disciples were there when Jesus rose from the dead. And so they they watched him die and they watched him rise from the dead. They met with him before and he gave him he gave them their final teachings and he would share with them. And then we would know that he would ascend. And the disciples at that moment, uh, they listened to what Jesus had. They they left then. And in Acts chapter one and verse 14, it says these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They were all together. If we were to go through uh, Acts chapter two, you would see in Acts chapter two at the beginning of Acts, you would see that they were they were still there. And as we as we keep pressing through, they were united in this upper room in prayer continually together in Acts two and verse 42. We would see that they continued steadfastly. In apostles doctrine and breaking of bread and prayer In verse number 44 of Acts chapter 2, we would see that it says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. In verse 46, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. There was a unity that was there that was caused initially because of Jesus ascending in the death and the burial resurrection, Jesus ascending. Uh, they go together and they found themselves in an upper room for days, praying in unity, seeking God. If we were to fast forward to Acts chapter number four, and in Acts chapter number four, uh, Peter and John were, were praying and they were put into custody in Acts four and verse number four. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed and the number of them of the men was about five thousand. So there in Acts chapter four, we see uh, that that the leadership, the, the Sadducees and the, uh, the leadership became angry because of the preaching of the word of God. But yet. As they attacked or they came and and take Peter, it said in four, verse number four, that there was already 5,000 or so that had said yes to Jesus. If we come to verses eight through 12 in Acts chapter four, uh, they begin to ask Peter, Peter, why do you say this? What is the name? It says in verse number seven, by what name have you done this? And in verse number four. Verse number eight, then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter stood in front of them after they had just, he was in trouble for preaching the gospel. They said, by what name (coughs) do you speak this? And he says, the name of Jesus. As we press forward, we see that Peter was, Released eventually, but in verses 23 and 24, and being let go, 
They went to their own company. Uh, those that were with Peter, they went back out to their own companies. Literally, they were going back to their churches. And as they went back to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, what does it say? They lifted up their voice to God. What does it say? With one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. They all went back to their church. And when they shared the things that were going on, the church together, united, began to worship God. In verse 31 and 32, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were, one, were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed, it was his own, but they had all things in common. The church was united. The church had come together, and when they were united, one of the things that I love in this passage of Scripture, they were united, they came back, they worshiped, they praised God, they did all of those things, and then as they were praying, the place was shaken where they had assembled. In Acts chapter 5, again, we see that there was unity in verse number 12 that they were with one accord in Solomon's porch Jesus spoke of unity in John 17 7 or verses 20 and 21 neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be what one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me Jesus prayed for unity of those that would come to the church unity is important unity is important because it was important to Jesus and as we go to this passage, we go today to, the, to what we're studying, exploring strength and prayer in, in unity. I believe there's so much strength that we will experience, that we will see as we uh, walk through this. Philippians chapter 2 says this, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any vows and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be what? Like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, unity only comes in humility. And as we look at that passage of Scripture in Philippians, Paul is writing there and he, he is encouraging that we would be of one mind, one, one heart, one soul. We'd be like-minded having that same love as we press forward. But that only happens as we are humble before God. That only happens as we, it says, in the lowliness of mind. And in this introduction, as we explore the strength that comes as God's people are united in prayer, it isn't that I pray and that you pray. It is that we together would be united, seeking the face of God. They were together in the upper room. They were together in Acts 4 when they prayed and God shook that room. 
They were together when God showed up and did so many miraculous things in the book of Acts as the church came together united. And I ask, I pray that we are seeking God to know him. We've talked about that two weeks ago. That we are understanding and learning and knowing the word of God. That we are gaining a wisdom and an understanding and a a, a discernment as to who God is and, and what God is doing. And that we would be discerning of God's word in our lives. And I pray that that's happening. And as that happens, as you as individuals and we all collectively as individuals seeking God, we naturally then do what? We naturally cry out and that unity is so real. That we would cry out in Mark chapter 11, 24. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. My prayer is that we would believe that God can. That we would believe that God will. And that we'll watch God do an amazing thing. See, Matthew chapter 5 speaks of being salt and light. And I, I think of it, we all know this passage. We all know these thoughts. We've seen this before. But it's one thing if I were the light in the middle of a room and I just had one little light that just flickered there, it would give light. But it's a whole nother thing if all of us together were light shining. The brightness of that light, the glory of God that would be shining. And I pray that as we look at this passage and as we dive into this sermon today, that we would see how God Desires that we are united and how God is just uh, waiting for his people to unite together to seek his face and what God is about to do. And so as we get into the sermon today, my prayer and my belief is that as we are united as one, the gospel cannot be stopped. So I say this and I ask this question, why not Oasis? Why not Oasis? Be the church, be the catalyst of God, of a God-sized revival, if you will, right here in Vegas. Why not Oasis coming together and seeking the face of God, being united and, and experiencing something that we could never, ever imagine that could happen? Why not Oasis? Why not pray united and with belief, knowing God is going to Not that we just hope that God will, but we believe in everything that God is going to. I believe with everything in me right now that there's something that God is doing in our midst. In the midst of all that's going on, God is doing some type of crazy work. And I'm coming and I'm saying, would we believe and seek and be united in that? In the strength that that is. This morning, if you would join me in Acts chapter 12, uh, we will actually teach through the better part of this entire chapter. I'm going to read verses 5 through 17. And so if you do have a Bible right where you're at, I would encourage you just to kind of have that with you today. And we'll flip through the the chapter there in Acts chapter 12. And we're going to look at um, an amazing story of how God brought people in the midst of hurt and heartache and hardship uh, God showed up and did an amazing thing, and uh, I'm excited to, to bring this passage to you this morning. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 through 17. It says this, Peter therefore was kept in prison, 
But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garments about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he was he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with, his, with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go, show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Father, I come to you today and... Lord, we come and we're in the midst of circumstances that are just different and I would say weird. But God, I believe that you are doing such a mighty work. And I pray even now as we open your word, as we look at Acts chapter 12 and we see how the church came together, the people gathered together and they began to just beg you. They fervently prayed on behalf of Peter as he was stuck in a jail cell. God, I pray not because I believe that we're under crazy persecution, but I pray, God, that in the midst of these times that we as a church would unite together to seek your face, that we would see your hand do something greater than we may have ever seen before. Lord, be with us now over these next few moments. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So we... We see this, this prayer, the, the, the things that were taking place. And I've got three quick points this morning. There is a great struggle for power. There is a great struggle for power. And really, for all time, there has always been a struggle for power. And as we look at this passage, the first few verses in Acts chapter 12, we see this power that was going on. We see Herod, the king, who had stretched forth his hands, it says, to vex certain of the church. See, Herod... Uh, was not necessarily a man that was um, well-liked. Uh, the king wasn't somebody uh, that, was, that was loved, but he decided to do something. But before we get into that, I want to I just look at different things. See, there's always been a power struggle, and there's always been people that would say, 
And they would just shake their fist at God and they would let God know how smart they were and that they were better and smarter than God. And they would try to prove God to be that there is no such thing. And there has always been this war that has been raging for all time. There is a spiritual battle that rages. Lucifer rebelled against his creator and was cast out of heaven with a third of all the angels. Satan, our adversary, began a war for power. Adam and Eve, what did they do? They were in Eden and they were told not to eat of that forbidden fruit. And at the instigation, at the, uh, the deception of Satan, they began to eat. And death came and war raged on forever until Jesus would shut and lock that door upon Satan. Men will shake their fist at God and will forever fail. What do we know that God's word says? God's word says that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 30. There is no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord. Many may attempt to fight God, yet true wisdom only lies in being on God's side. Let's look at a couple men that you may know these names of people throughout history that have decided to fight God, to fight Christianity, if you will. German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche despised Christianity as the religion of weaklings. Fighting God eventually pushed him over the brink and he spent the last several years of his life insane. The Nobel Peace winner and author Ernest Hemingway considered himself living proof that one could successfully fight God. What did he say? He boasted of fighting in revel of, uh, let me repeat that, sorry. He boasted of fighting in revolutions, tumbling women, and leading a life of sin without an apparent consequence on his life. So therefore he said he could successfully fight God. But yet, what happened is in his life, he eventually would be found dead with a gunshot wound to his head. That he took his own life. See, fighting God costs. Many kings and men and great authority have fought God throughout Scripture. Yet Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 15 said this, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of, the, of balance. Verse 17, All nations before him are as nothing and they are counted to him less than nothing in vanity. We see Pharaoh in Egypt fought God and it cost he and his people dearly. It cost them with plagues. It cost them the death of the firstborn of every male. Yet he fought and he fought and he fought until when the whole army would die and drown in the sea. We could go on and on. Sion of it, of the Amorites, Og of Bashan, Balak, king of Moab, king of Ai fought God and he was hung. And we again, we can go on and on and on. But we come to this passage of scripture and King Herod, Herod Agrippa was the grandson of Herod the Great. Not a very popular man, but what he realized was this. He realized that if he could gather people around him and he could do certain things, they would raise him up. So what does he do in Acts chapter 12? 
we see exactly what he does. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword in verse number two and verse three. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, because when he killed James, he saw that it pleased the people that are around him. He saw that he pleased all of these folks. They were excited. Yeah, you did a good thing. He captures Peter and he keeps Peter with a plan of doing what? His plan was then to take Peter and to put him out in the middle of town square and to have him killed, to have him crucified. See, he had a plan of power that he was going to show God. Not only that, he knew Peter had been in trouble before. See, in Acts chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. So in Acts chapter 5, Peter had already been in prison and King Herod already knew this. So King Herod does what? King Herod takes and he puts people all around him so that he would not go. He put 16 soldiers on a rotation. It speaks of this in this passage of scripture. That there was two chained to him, two outside, and they would rotate. Because King Herod knew something had happened earlier. See, I say to you today, there is a constant fight and a constant battle going on, that war that's raging. We know what it speaks of in Ephesians, that we're not fighting and wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We understand those things. But what is amazing to me is it's in the midst of those days and of those things, one, that we understand that God is sovereign. God is in control. God was in control here. God allowed James to die, and we don't understand that sometimes, and that's very difficult. Why would God allow his life to be taken and not Peter's? Or why this and why that? But we would understand this, that as we come together, there is a war that's raging, and as people begin to really spite God and throw their fist at God, to act like God, the church nearly always comes together. There's a unity in that. And so as we look at this, and I know that first point may not look to unity, but in this first point, we understand, we need to understand that God is sovereign and God is on the throne. And though there's circumstances around us, this is not a sermon. Let me just, I'll, maybe I should have prefaced this earlier. This is not a sermon based on today's culture. Though we may use portions of this, this was something that's been talked about for a while. Unity is something that is brought together, especially in hard times. And in this passage of scripture, we see King Herod says, <laughs> I got him. We got James and now I've got Peter. Look, I've got all of these people out here and they're cheering me on. They love me because of all the things that I've done. They love that I've done, that, that, that I killed James and they love that I just, I have Peter. And now just wait, just wait because I'm going to bring him out in the middle of town square and we're going to make an example out of Peter. And I come to this second thought. God's power 
will not be outdone. See, Herod had a plan. Herod had a power struggle and he wanted to shake his fist at God. Ernest Hemingway had a power struggle and he wanted to laugh and make fun and let God know, listen, I'll do whatever I want and look at me. I'm successful. Look at me. I've done this and look at that. Nothing has ever come against me except for the fact that he took his own life later in life because there was something missing. See, God's power will never be undone. The power struggle that brings God's people together ignites a power and a pleading that God will respond to. See, I believe in this passage of scripture, verses number five, going all the way down really through 19, and we've read most of we've read that already. But we look at this and in verse number five, it says what? Therefore, uh, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But what does it say? I, I, I know it's just one simple line inside of this entire chapter, but it says something so vitally important. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Prayer was made without ceasing. Here's what I believe. If we go back to the statement I read or the, the passage I read in Mark chapter 11. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. They believed. It says that they prayed without ceasing. They prayed fervently is what some passages or versions might say. They prayed fervently. The word fervent is a medical term describing the stretching of a muscle to its limits. I believe I spoke something of this uh, back around Easter time. But Luke chapter 22 and 44 describes what Jesus' prayer in the garden as what? He was in agony, that he sweat drops of blood that came down his face, falling onto the ground. He was in agony. He was fervently praying to God there in the garden of Gethsemane. That same exact word is this word fervently, praying without ceasing, begging God. They went in agony, crying out to the Lord on behalf of Peter. In the face of unforeseen circumstances, the church united and in agony cried out to God. They watched somebody that they loved. They knew that James had died. They were broken but then they watched Peter. They knew that Peter had been taken to prison. Again, they were hurt. They were broken. But what they did, they didn't go and fight. They didn't go do anything. They fell to their knees and they began to cry out. They began to fervently weep and say, God, we love him. God, would you do this? And they did so in belief. And I just, I'm just curious, what would happen if the church, not just Oasis, yes, Oasis would unite together, but what would happen if the church God's people would just rise up, be united, and seek out the face of God fervently. What would happen? See, we don't know all things of this passage. We, don't, we only know what we know, but we know that they cried out. We know that they were broken. We know that they were united in prayer. And here's what we see. We see Peter having been bound and chained. Verse number six saying what? 
The same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. The thing that comes to my mind is Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel's down in this den of this pit of lions, and here he is laying using a lion as a pillow. And Peter had such peace about him. Peter had such uh, just a sense of awe, a sense of peace that came about him. And there in the midst of this jail, in the midst of just watching his friend die at the hands of of horrible, horrible people and knowing that that was going to be his plight. He was about to go and he would be crucified the next day in front of all of the people. (laughs) He finds himself asleep. Maybe this is why Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, cast all your cares on him, for he careth for you. You don't you think Peter experienced some of that? Herod's plan was death in front of the crowds, and God's plan was not that at all. God's people interceded and God showed up. I ask, do we trust God and all that he's done? I would say this, I wrote this in my notes. He has a pretty good track record. God has a pretty awesome track record. But do we trust him sometimes? Do we truly believe? God sent an angel. It said a bright light. Just think of the darkness. I don't know about how you sleep, but when bright lights come in, I'm waking up. I don't like light when I'm sleeping. A bright light hit came into this room And yet Peter didn't wake up. It says what? That they nudged him. They hit him. They woke him up. And Peter, thinking that he was really in the midst of a a dream, he's kind of stumbling about trying to wake up. Can you imagine? You're in the deep sleep. Next thing you know, somebody's hitting you. Hey, get up. Get up. Get your sandals on. Grab and take that cloak and, and follow me. Peter's like, what's going on? He's wiping his eyes. He's trying to figure out what, where he's at, what's taking place, stumbling around, thinking he's in a dream, he's seeing a vision. All of a sudden, he gets up and he walks past the first couple guys and he goes to that first gate and he's like, whoa. Gets past the second gate and he realizes that God had given him and sent him an angel You know, I think what's awesome is what Peter did. Peter, the first thing that Peter does is recognizes that God sent an angel. And I don't know if he walked quietly. I don't know if he sprinted. But we know this. Peter went to the place where he knew that his church would be on their knees weeping on his behalf. And he says, hey, hey, hello. He's knocking. I can, I can kind of imagine. I don't know. I'm assuming he didn't yell because it said that he kind of kept them quiet. But I can hear he's, he's knocking. And as Rhoda comes to the door, he says, hello, it's Peter. Hey, it's, it's me. She gets excited because she recognizes the voice and she runs back to everybody else and she says, hey, Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door. And they're like, ah, you're nuts. Rhoda, something's going on inside your head. Maybe it's just his angel. And then they hear the knock more and they go. 
Could you imagine weeping, praying, fervently seeking the face of God? And next thing you know, the man that you believe is about to be dead because of uh, at the hands of a, of a horrible, horrible man is standing at your door because God showed up and answered your prayer. And he looks at them as they're excited. I, I can't imagine the, the excitement, the joy, the, the things that came out. Yeah, shh, hold on, hold on. Here's what's going on. And he tells them, hey, this is what happened. Go and tell these people. I gotta go. And Peter would leave and go hide. Listen, I say that. There's a lot of power struggles going on in our world and they've always gone on and there's a constant battle. There's a war that's raging and the enemy is out to destroy. The enemy is out to kill. The enemy has nothing better to do. All he wants to do is divide us and all he wants to do is, is stop what God is doing and he can do that to the best of his ability by getting into each of our little minds so that we, we think nasty to each other. We do whatever. But let me tell you, God is unstoppable. I cannot, there is nothing that any of the enemies of God can do to stop the plan. God will not be outdone. I can shake my fist at God. God is sovereign and he still loves the one that shakes his fist at him. But God is righteous. Here we see. Herod went back and there was a mess. God. God showed up. The power of God's people uniting in prayer and in belief is unstoppable. God's power will blow our minds when he shows up. Today I say to all of you, to, to us, that God is still the same God. But I ask this question. Listen, the God that, that made the earthquake back in chapter 5, the God that 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 allowed Peter to sleep by the soldiers, the God that, that shone a light in there that the angel came and allowed Peter to go is the same exact God that is sitting on the throne today. But I wonder this. I wonder, do we cry out and long for God's hand to do something miraculous? Do we cry out? I am encouraged at this scripture. I, I, I put this down. It honestly just gets me excited to read and imagine what must have been the fear of the soldiers and the excitement and the praise of the church when Peter walked there to that door. And those folks at that house, that church said, he's alive. God, look what you did. God, you've done it. Yet again, we see your hand. I say to us, church, I say Oasis, for those who are watching this today, I say that God is still God. But I wonder if he's just saying, hey, hey, Oasis, would you just be united and, and beg? Would you just ask me? Just as I am a father and I say, hey, hey, Elijah, I'm just waiting for you to ask me. Hey, Dad, could I please? Madison saying, hey, Dad, could you please help me with this? And I just long for them to ask me that question. I wonder if God's just waiting, saying, hey, hey, Oasis, 
Would you just ask? Would you just ask? And we're too worried about things that don't matter. What if we united in prayer and explored and understood the strength that we have at our fingertips? And the last thought this morning is God's purposes will not be stopped. Listen, this has nothing, this is not about what we're facing with the coronavirus or any of these things today. But I just want you to know the purpose of God, the plan of God has not been put on hold because of a virus. The plan of God has not been put on hold because of uncertain times. None of this has happened. Just like in that day, the plan of God was never stopped. Rather, the plan of God was for that church to come together, to be united, for them to be able to look out and go, oh, God, look what you did. And what does it say in verses 24 and 25? It says this, but the word of God, what does it say? Maybe you can say it out loud in your room right where you're at. Grew and multiplied. The word of God grew and multiplied. Why? Because I believe it with everything in me. In the midst of heartache, the people united together and God showed up. Listen, God's purpose will not be stopped. God's purpose will not be stopped. I believe with everything in me right now, God is stirring in the hearts of believers all across this country, inside of our city. I wonder if we're just begging and saying, God, will you do it? God, will you show up? God's plan hasn't changed, church. Maybe he just wants us to be united, to come together, to cry out to him. Say, God, would you, would you take and multiply your word? God, would you take it and, and multiply? See, we don't know. In chapter number five, we knew that it said, 5,000 came to repentance because of what they experienced. We don't know that number, and that's okay. I believe with everything in me, as awesome, as amazing as the story was in Acts chapter 12, the story today will be just as awesome and just as amazing. And I wonder, would we unite together? Would we beg God to say, God, we thank you for even considering that we would be a part of your plan. But God, could, could you multiply it? Would you take your word and multiply it? Would we see souls come to know Christ as Savior? Would we see families be brought together? Would we see the earth shake? And the church gather together. Father, I come to you. And Lord, I can't help but think of a story back in Acts chapter 12 and how you 
showed up in a way that was miraculous. And Lord, though we are not at all faced and put in the same situation today, we're facing a circumstance that is something that we are unfamiliar with that we do not know. And God, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you that Oasis would be a church that is united, that we would understand that as we unite together, the strength that we have in believing that you will do and that you are doing an amazing work. God, would you, would you allow us to see it? Would you break our hearts? Would you move And do something, God, that only you can do. That there's nobody on this earth that would be able to look at it and say, oh, look what we did. But no, we would say, oh, God, look, it's only God. Father, would you do a mighty and an amazing work? For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning online, wherever it is that you are able to view with us. I am excited for what God has in store for us. And let me ask you this, if there is a decision, I know I didn't really speak on a major decision point, but if there's a decision that you made or you have anything that you need from us, if you would, uh, you can email me at pastor at oasislv.church and I would love to communicate with you or text message decision to the phone number that's right below. And let me do this. We have been meeting on Zoom uh, each Tuesday morning at eight o'clock for prayer. And I want to I extend this to you. If you would like to gather in our church building this Tuesday morning at eight o'clock, I would love to see you here where we would cry out together, be united, and just see what God is going to do. We'll continue to do it online as well, but maybe you would say, I'm comfortable to come. We would love to set that up and pray throughout our auditorium, pray throughout our building. Uh, we've got plenty of space, and we would love for you to join us uh, Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock. So I'll send out an email that will give all the information, but would you join us if you're able to? And if you did not get an email this week about our reopening, uh, we're in that process and we sent some information out to that. Um, so we're excited for what God is doing and we are looking forward to uh, seeing you right here live in the next couple of weeks. But thank you so much for joining us. Have an amazing week. We just want to thank you again for joining us today. We pray that the service has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Oasis is supported by the gifts of faithful people like you. So if you have a desire to give to the ministry and mission of Oasis, you can text GIVE to the number provided below. Click on the GIVE link or mail in your gift to the church office. We also have a desire to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, you can email us at prayer at oasislv.church. Church, we have been encouraged to seek the Lord together in unity. So let's do that and be passionate followers of Christ.